Welcome to KJV Cafe, where the truths of God's Word come alive. Grab a hot cup of coffee or tea and spend some time learning about our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Listen now to Pastor Clark Covington of Heartland Community Baptist Church as he explores great insights from the Word of God. Chances are you have been tempted lately. Have you not? Were you at the boat show? Were you tempted at the boat show? Were you tempted at the dessert bar? Were you tempted uh, at the uh, online boutique? Something maybe in your life has tempted you recently. Maybe you were tempted to say something you'd regret when someone cut you off or said something they shouldn't. Uh, Maybe you've just been tempted to go away from serving the Lord or, you know, to, you've been tempted to give up or give in, uh, a, uh, older saint of God that I know one time told me, looked at me straight in the face and they'd been out of church for some time. And they said to me, I don't even know why God has me alive right now. And that surely was the devil tempting that person, trying to tell them they weren't good. They couldn't do anything for God. When that was the furthest thing from the truth, we all deal with temptation. Jesus dealt with temptation. And that's what I want to talk to you about here today for a little bit, is the three temptations that Jesus faced and how that shows us all of the temptation that we face and what we can do to overcome that temptation. You know, I like a message that's practical. I'm a practical-minded person, amen. I, I really can relate to things, tips and tricks and ideas. I'm a guy's guy. I love a checklist, you know, just go through the motions there. And I like practical, sensible information. And that's what God has given us. God gave us a workbook for life uh, with the Bible, with his holy word. And this workbook, you got to put it to work, amen. You got to read the book and then put it to work. And if you do that, then you can get through life so much easier. You can overcome these temptations. You can have victory in your life. I believe that with all my heart. I put this into practice. Hey, this preacher practices what he preaches, okay? All right, enough of the uh, small talk here. Let's get right to it. We're going to be in um, Matthew here today. But before we do that, I just want to talk a little bit about how temptation comes to us. Now, you have these textbook temptations, like people being tempted to steal or do something awful. We went to the mall last weekend, uh, Concord Mills. We walked around with the kids, amen, and, uh, you know, we saw a young lady uh, with police and the door of the cage had been closed on a jewelry store, and she had uh, presumably been uh, shoplifting, and she was tempted to steal. We think of temptation, tempted to steal, Um or maybe it's something more subtle. You know, maybe these temptations are more subtle. They're, they're mixed in with our goals and our aspirations. You know, uh, Kendrick Brothers movie called Courageous about police officers. You might have seen it. We watched that recently with our family. I, I believe I'd seen it before, but we watched it again for family night, family moving, movie night, which, by the way, is a great thing to have. If you got a young family, do a family movie night. There's great Christian entertainment out there. Amen. We canceled Netflix. We just go ahead and watch the good old stuff, uh, stuff that's uh, doesn't even need a rating. And it's, you know what? It's rated uh, great by God. Amen. So we watched a Kendrick Brothers movie, watched Courageous. And in that movie, they the men sign this uh, creed that they're going to live like godly fathers. And then shortly thereafter that, there's this kind of series of scenes that deals with temptation. And one of those scenes 
the men are tempted to uh, do bad things. One of them uh, was asked by his boss if he would lie in order for the boss to have his way. And he said, I can't lie. And then he ended up getting promoted. It was a blessing. But unfortunately, another character, he was stealing uh, as a police officer. He was stealing evidence and he got caught and went to jail. And so temptations can be not just broad, blatant things like seeing the girl in the mall trying to steal something from the jewelry store, but it can be very subtle things like, um, someone at work just saying, Hey, could you just go ahead and just change this uh, factor figure a little bit? Can you cook the books? You know, can you, uh, can you clock me in even though I'm not there? It can be these kind of subtle things. Uh, and, and then it, it can be anything else. It could be something that we justify, you know, people justify giving into temptation. They'll say they need to take the edge off or they need a break from being an adult whatever that means. Uh, and so they'll justify the temptation to maybe fall into sin and, uh, you know, of excess and abundance, drinking or drugs or whatever else. And they'll say, eh, you know what, I, I deserve this, right? Which is a total crazy logic. We don't have time to go into all that today, other than to say temptations are everywhere and they can be very persuasive and they can be very subtle. Sometimes they're blatant, but sometimes they're subtle. In the book of Proverbs, there's a lot of uh, wisdom about that. Amen. They call Proverbs uh, the book of wisdom and written by the wisest man to ever live, Solomon. And in Proverbs, we learn about this uh, temptation that the fool, the simple person ends up a fool by going into the wrong person's house and doing these evil things. And they were just on their way to, you know, down the street and they didn't think about it. And then um, it got them, right? So we see that temptation, it's nothing new. It's been around since as long as man has been around. Uh, we know that Adam and Eve, they were tempted in the Garden of Eden. And all of this brings us to the point of who, what is the root of temptation, right? We're, we're trying to beat them to temptation biblically. We're trying to solve temptation biblically. Well, what's the root of temptation? Well, that's the devil. See, is it not? The root of all temptation comes from the devil. God is not here to tempt us, amen? Now, he will allow us to be tried. He'll allow us to be tempted, but he always gives us a way out. And one way that he does that is by allowing Jesus to be tempted. Because temptation is such a strong opponent, we have to take it seriously. And yet he allowed Jesus to be tempted, God in the flesh to be tempted, so that we could learn something from that. And, and the reason why, again, is that we need to be prepared. You know, 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. You know, many years ago, I sat in a service where the preacher started talking about who the lion is going to hunt. Is the lion going to hunt the the king of the of the group of animals, the alpha, the male, the fast, the hard, strongest one, or is the lion going to hunt the weak one, the cubs and the and the uh, ones that are the simple ones, the ones that are injured and halt and maimed? That's who the lion's going to go after. Amen. The devil's going to go after those that have been compromised, those that are weak, those that are not in God's word, those that are not uh, caught up on their scriptures, not caught up on their devotionals, those that are flirting with this idea of sin those that have kind of cracked that door open, those that have say, uh, you know, I used to have an old football coach would tell me if you don't want to do something, you know, don't want to do something wrong, don't go down the wrong aisle, so to speak. You know, you're not going to, if you don't want to drink, don't go in the bar, don't go down the beer aisle, you know. Uh, if you don't want to be around a, uh, a a bad woman, don't go to a place where the bad women hang out. That's a G-rated version of what that coach told me and the other players, but you get the idea. Uh 
the devil's looking for those people that kind of are flirting with this idea, that are kind of looking at this idea or, or simply just weak. Maybe uh, they're not flirting with the idea, but they're just working so hard or they're taking care of their family so much that, look, you know, they're just so stressed out that they're just worn out. And the devil's saying, boom, I'm going to pounce on them like a roaring lion. So how do you fight a strong opponent? How do you do that? And uh, in our service, we have a, a young man, uh, the uh, music minister at our church. He loves fighting, boxing, MMA, and all that good stuff. And I asked him, I said, how do you fight a strong opponent? Now, he wasn't able to answer me because I think I took him off guard, but he didn't disagree with, with my logic. You fight a strong opponent by learning their weakness. You learn it, right? You understand where their weakness is, and then you exploit that weakness all day long. Does that make sense? You learn the weakness and then you exploit it over and over and over again. That's how you defeat a strong opponent. So what we're going to do today, we're going to see how we are tempted and how to defeat such a temptation. And we're going to do that through the lens of God's word, God's holy word that, you know, we call it the truth. We call it um, our guidebook for life. But do we use it as our guidebook for life? I hope so. We're going to do that today. Uh, in 1 John 2, verse 16, we read, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. This verse shows us the common things that tempt us all come from one source, the world. Who is the little G God of this world? The devil, okay? So the devil, he's got uh, you know the world here. He's all doing his thing, uh, which is chaotic and crazy, even though God is sovereign. God's allowed it, amen? And we are being tempted this way, that way, every way in between. And this verse shows us the categories of temptation that we face, the desires of the flesh, wanting gratification from worldly pleasures. This is the idea of you're at the bakery and you know better, you're diabetic, and you know you should not be getting that cheesecake and you say, give me two slices. That's the desire of the flesh. You just want it. You know it's going to taste good. You know you're going to get that that uh, endorphin going or uh, the dopamine in your brain is going to be going every time you bite into that cheesecake, amen. And all of a sudden, you know, you say, okay, I uh, I, I gave into temptation. That's the, that's the gratification. That's, again, a simple idea, but that's the desire of the flesh. Then we have the desire of the eyes, the lust of the eyes. This is coveting worldly things. This is looking at your neighbor's Corvette and saying, wow, it'd be nice to have that. I'd be happier if I had that. I'd be more valuable if I had that. That, that thing is really good. Okay, that's the, that's the lust of the eyes. And then there's the pride of life. I always think of politicians when I think of the pride of life, but it's for everybody. They want to be exalted. They want to have power in this world. It's the pride of life. It's that exact thing that comes to you when you, uh, let's say you uh, are a painter and you want to know how many people looked at your painting online or how many people went to your art show. It's the pride of life, right? And that maybe you're not a painter, but whatever it is, maybe you did a report at work and you want people to like it. You know, maybe you sing at church and you want more people to tell you that you sing great. It's the pride of life, right? It's wanting to be exalted, to have power in this world, to be looked at as something special. And so these categories of temptation, from my understanding of studying the scriptures, that, that's what we face. That, that it all comes from the world, and these are the categories of temptations that we face, either the desire of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. 
All right, Matthew 4, 1 through 11 shows us Jesus and how he deals with such temptations when he was in bodily in this world. And remember, I want you to remember here that Jesus is God in the flesh, right? We've got the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, amen? So God in the flesh is being tempted. Think about that. Why on earth would God allow himself to be tempted? Well, he did it because he loves you and he loves me. And he wants to teach us about how to overcome temptation. And God does a really good job here of teaching us in such a simple way that even your preacher can understand it. And I can even communicate it to you. Let's look. Uh, Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Just in case you want to know what Matthew 4 is about. Here it is. Jesus was led up of the Spirit, the Spirit, capital S, right, into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungered. He was hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, the top of the temple there. And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said, uh, uh, Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him. And behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Amen. All right. So what we're dealing with here is three specific temptations that Jesus faced, and three times Jesus responded with what? It is written. Now, the number three in the Bible is very important. It signifies harmony and new life and completion. There is also importance to the idea that he was out there 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness and and all of that. But the the idea of three is very important. And then we see a repetition where it is written, it is written, it is written. You know, emphasis in the Bible, it almost always means pay attention. So when you see a group of scriptures all kind of doing the same thing or repeating the same thing, like holy, 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 right? Instead of just holy, the idea is this is important. Listen up, tune in. I really want you to get this. It's it's repetition. I went to school, a graduate school for public speaking, because why not? I didn't even know that that was a degree, but uh, I was uh, bored at the in the corporate life after about a week. And so I was in graduate school for English and public speaking and so forth. And they taught me there, even in the secular world, they taught me, you know what? Use repetition. You want to make a point? You want to be persuasive? Repeat it many times. Uh, my dad worked uh, many years in journalism, and he told me they did a study, uh, a McDonald's commercial on the radio, actually, and they asked people how many times did it take for them to understand what the promotion was or who the brand was or something. And I don't know how they gauged this, but the answer was 50 times, 50 impressions, 50 times of hearing it before they really understood it. So repetition is very powerful and it's necessary. And here we see God so powerfully repeating three times that it is written. 
And here we see why did God, one reason why God allowed this to happen, Father God allowed his son, only begotten son, Jesus, to go through this, to fulfill the scripture, Hebrews 4, verse 15, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. In all points tempted, like as we are. Hey, if you ever think you're on your own and you're dealing with temptation, Jesus was tempted in all points like we are. Now, was he tempted literally in every way that you're tempted or I'm tempted? I don't know. But I do know that he was tempted in every kind of way, right? And this is symbolic of that, right? Uh, When we look here, you know, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, right? He was tired and hungry. Have you ever been tired or hungry and been tempted? I, I bet you you have. Uh, you've probably been tired and maybe your kids say something or your uh, your husband or wife or whoever does something and you just, you're tired or you're hungry, you're angry, and you're just tempted to say or do something you don't mean, right? Or give in, okay? You're just exhausted. Uh, we've all been there, right? And Jesus was dealing with that. So what we can learn from this scripture is the idea that when we're tempted in our lives, big or small, Jesus has been too. And when we pray, we pray to a God that knows what we endure. I hope you understand that today. God knows the context in which you're praying. He knows your life intricately, and he knows it so well that he's actually experienced it. We pray in Jesus' name, but do we think, oh, Jesus, you know this temptation. You've been through this temptation, Lord. I mean, if we really thought that way, wouldn't we go to Jesus and ask him more often for his wisdom, for his counsel, for his healing on our heart? But oftentimes, maybe we're too ashamed or we're too proud or we're too whatever to to do that. And that's why I want to encourage you today to seek the Lord in all these things. And you know what God might do is point you here to Matthew 4 and say, look, it is written, it is written, it is written. You see how Jesus is responding to the devil? He's using scripture. And that's what we're here to do, to use scripture. You know, in that first instance, again, 40 days, 40 nights, there was great hunger. That shows us the devil will appear in times of weakness. So whatever weakness you're dealing with today, same idea, that roaring lion's going to look for the weak one, for the one that's halt, maimed, tired, etc. Whatever weakness you're dealing with today, where can you anticipate the devil attacking? You know, think of that. Maybe even preempt it. Understand, you know what? I have not been getting enough sleep. You know what? I've been spending too much time at work or in the garden or whatever it is. And preempt it. Understand, you know, that, that God needs you in his word. He doesn't need you for his sake, but for your sake to be in his word, to be prayed up so that you can handle these temptations when they come. Um, you know, Jesus quoted scripture back to the devil, and every word uh, of God is what we are to live by. And that's the root of the scripture uh, that he quoted back is Deuteronomy 8.3. And I'll read Deuteronomy 8.3 here for you. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man, man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. So the context of this scripture is total dependence on God, having faith in him to provide and protect. So here we have Jesus, God in the flesh, right? Quoting to the devil, 
uh, hey, you need to uh, realize this is what the scripture says. So it's doubly inspiring. You basically, well, not basically, you literally have God himself saying, here's the scripture. Well, if that wouldn't be effective, why would have Jesus done it? He wouldn't. And so it must be effective. And what does the scripture say? It says, rely on the scripture, rely on his word. That's why we call it the living word. Amen. That's why it was referenced in, in, instead of bread, right? You like bread. I like bread. Trying to go low carb. It's not really helping, but hey, I love bread. We all love bread, hopefully. Um, you can't just live on bread alone. You have to live from his word. You have to feed off of his word. And that means that's an active thing. How often do you eat? If you're like me, at least three or four times a day, amen. Well, we need to be in his word at least three, four times a day. You see how God did this and not just be in his word, but respond to temptation with the word. Amen. I hope that makes sense here today. What does it mean to live by God's holy word? It means to have faith. You know, the root of this scripture, it was the Israelites, God's chosen people. And, and that's Deuteronomy was addressing. Uh, and here, you know, if you're saved here today, you're part of the church body. You're, you're God's chosen people. You're a son or daughter of God. Amen. Uh, you've been born again. Amen. And so this is who God's addressing. God is saying, you believer will be tempted as Jesus was. And here is how you are to respond with the word. Amen. And you literally can take these verses and just Put them right back to the devil, amen? Just put them right back to the devil when you're tempted in any way. That's what I try to do. I'll tell you what, you get called to preach, the devil will get all over you because you're out here setting people straight, letting them know the word of God is true, that Jesus Christ saves, amen? That he's alive today, that he's a living God, that he has all power, that he has a plan, amen? The devil doesn't like any of that. And so the devil comes attacking this way, that way, every way. And we have to just keep quoting scripture back. That's what I do. Sometimes the scripture may not even be relevant to the temptation. You know, the temptation may be to give up or to quit. And it's just, he must increase and I must decrease. Uh, for God so loved the world. And I just start going through these scriptures, amen. And guess what? The devil will flee. That's, that's Bible right there. Uh, and, and let me ask you this. You think scripture is important to God? You think God is mincing words here? Do we take his word as seriously as he takes his word? You know, Jesus did when he was dealing with the devil. This should truly be our playbook for life. You know, when the devil punches you with temptation, again, as that roaring lion, when he comes at you, you counterpunch with scripture over and over again. You know, that's how you land an effective punch. That's how you counterattack. That's how you defeat the devil, not in your own strength, but in God's strength, and not specifically just in God's strength, but through his word. Amen. Or I should say specifically through his word. So in God's strength, through his word, right? God is showing us it's his word. I thought of this just now in the book of Revelation. How does Jesus come back and defeat the enemy for the last time there in uh, the Valley of uh, Megiddo, Armageddon? With the word, okay? Uh, you look at the beginning of, of scripture, God spoke the earth into existence. The word is extremely powerful. And when you get a hold of that, and when you start quoting the word back to the devil, you will be back in the driver's seat, amen, and you'll be able to defeat these temptations, and God will get the glory. But here's the question. How can you throw a strong punch if you don't know God's word, if you aren't in his word? How can you be effective in this strategy, in this practical application? That's a Bible term right there, that practical application. How can you be effective if you're not in his word? If you don't know, right? There's somebody, there's a Christian, a saved Christian today 
that has never read Matthew 4, that has no idea the three times it is written, Jesus responds to the devil, and they're hungry and they're being tempted and they may give in to temptation because they just didn't get in his word. It is so important to stay in his word. Now we see the second temptation, the lust of the eyes. Uh, And this is uh, dealing with uh, the pinnacle of the temple up high and and the devil saying, just come down. So where was the temple? In front of all of Israel. The devil wanted Jesus to be exalted and come down and all these things ruin the plot and the plan that God had for him. And uh, also was tempting Jesus to bring in the angels and all these things for protection. You know, this whole thing is crazy. It's testing. It's testing the Lord. And, uh, you know, we're tested and there's only two paths we can take. Either we can be an overcomer or we can sin. And what does Jesus respond with? So short and sweet. He says, don't test God. Deuteronomy 6, 16. Do not test the Lord your God as you tested him at Massa. Well, what happened at Massa? Quickly here, the Israelites, uh, they had been taken out of bondage in Egypt and they had been uh, delivered from the Red Sea, had been split open and they were wandering there in the wilderness and there was no water and they were murmuring and, uh, you know, they were, they were in unbelief, even though God had given them manna and everything else and provided for them, even though their clothes and their shoes hadn't worn out, even though they were taken care of. They had unbelief and they were grumbling and they tested God. And so what we need to do in temptation is not test God. We need to point back to the devil and saying, you don't test God and just continue to quote scripture and fight a spiritual battle with a spiritual weapon. We must trust God. He fights our battles for us. You know, Jesus gave a short response. You know, sometimes the best responses are short. Amen. You know, Jesus could have given some long, uh, explanation. He said, just don't, don't test God. Okay. That's, that should be good enough. All right. And that also goes into the idea. Do we fear God? If we fear God, we love God. We know his power. We know his almighty nature and we know he is able. Amen. Don't test God. Uh, save yourself trouble and stress. Reserve the stamina. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Don't worry or fret. Just give it all to God. You know, the other thing that happens here in the scripture, the devil is wanting you to think that you have to prove yourself making us fear we are insufficient, right? We're not insufficient because you know what? We're heirs to the throne. We're part of the church body. We're, we are uh, Christ's. We are bond servants to Christ. We are, we are heavenly residents. We're citizens of heaven once we're saved, amen? We, we don't need to prove ourselves to the devil. Don't even try. When we are weak, he is made strong. Second Corinthians 12, 9, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul here, dealing with the thorn in the flesh, has prayed three times for the Lord to remove it. There's that number three again, and God chose not to, because God had revealed to Paul that when he is weak, God is made strong. When we are weak, God is made strong. When we are weak, the devil comes tempting. We quote scripture. We live by the book. God takes care of it. God defeats the devil. He gets all the glory. And we he fought our battle. See? You see how in tough times, the devil will make you think you need to act on your own. Well, oftentimes that gets ahead of God or goes around God. We don't want to do that. You know? We don't want to get yoked up in that. We have to live for our heavenly father, our true king. And sometimes we need to be still and know that he is God. And if we're thirsty, 
like the Israelites were in the desert. We just need to pray to God and turn to God and believe in God and, and trust God. And he will supply our need while the devil tempts us to try to do something on our own that we shouldn't do. You know, hit the devil when he tempts you with this type of scripture. Tell him, even when you're thirsty, like the Israelites at Massa, you will wait on God to provide and drink in his word all day long. Man, I don't have too much time for the third temptation here, but we're going to give it a go. We have the devil tempting Jesus, asking him to worship him, fall down and worship him. He's going to give him the kingdoms. That's such a bad deal. You see the foolishness in this proposition? All the kingdoms were Jesus anyway. They're all his for an eternity and eternity anyway. But the devil still wanted to make him think if he worshiped him, he would give him these worldly kingdoms. It's a joke. Don't fall for the bad deal. Don't let, you know, the devil's a per pervert, right? He's just perverting things that, you know, make no sense, right? And he might do that to you and make you think, you know, that, hey, you need this or you need that. That's what he did to Adam and Eve, right? And he said, oh, don't you want to be like God? You know, they had, they had it made in the Garden of Eden. As I understand it, they wouldn't have died, amen. They had all the food they need. They had all the animals. Man, they could grow anything they wanted. Everything was just perfect. They walked with God in the cool of the day. And the devil says, hmm, that's nice, but don't you want to be like God? Don't take a bad bargain. Don't take a bad deal. You saw what happened to Adam and Eve after they ate of the forbidden fruit. You saw that the ground was cursed. They saw the, the all of the pain and agony eventually leading to the flood. <laughs> you don't want that to happen. We just live for God, amen, and he takes care of everything else. The root of that scripture, Deuteronomy 10.20, you are to fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him and take your oaths in his name. I wish I had more time here today, but I don't. What I want to tell you is serve God with all your heart. Hold fast to God today. Don't get yoked up in the ways of the world. Again, fear him. Fear of God is good. It's the beginning of all wisdom, the Bible tells us. It makes us walk humbly and dependent and hold fast to him alone. This world is not our home. This world will make us think, and the, and the God of this world, the devil, will make us think that we need things we don't, and we should act ways we shouldn't. And the book getting in the word, getting in scripture and getting on our knees will take us to the place that we really truly need to be. And that is humble before a holy and mighty God that is able to deliver us from every temptation we will ever face. Keep the faith, keep holding on, keep trucking for the Lord, and he will deliver you from every temptation you face as long as you continue to stay in the scripture.